0: What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas here. Another edition, Believe in Patriots episode number 10. We are just days away from a real football game, a game that counts, a game that we have speculated about for months about whether or not it would even happen. And here we are, Patriots Dolphins coming up Sunday at 1. As always, you can follow me on Twitter up there in the screen. You see it if you're watching on YouTube at FA Radio Brady. It's where you get all your insight. On the Pats and all things related to the Believe Patriots Podcast here again on the Believe Podcast Network. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And as always, we are brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. I I love gambling on the NFL. So here's what you do. The wait is over. Football is finally back. And since you can't go to the games this year in most cases, you can still be in on the action by our friends at Bet Online. So from game spreads and totals to team player coaching props, bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. I love the in-game betting. So, again, I like to get a line, you know, hey, someone minus seven, get the line early, and then see what's happening during the game, start to double down on things and start to really stack money. That's a way that you can really start to up your profits and have some fun on all the games all game long. It's not just fantasy football. It's gambling as well makes it uh, makes it fun for everybody. There's also the online casino. It never ends over at Bet Online. So go to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag. Set, sign up today and uh, your online sportsbook expert. So. We got a great show today. Eric Wood is going to join us here in just a matter of moments, former Pro Bowl center for the Buffalo Bills, knows the AFC East very well. Just retired a couple of years ago, now a member of the Bills radio broadcast team. So, he'll help us talk about um, talk about the opener Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to get the start for Miami. He played with Fitzmagic in Buffalo. He played with Patriots DB, Stephon Gilmore in Buffalo as well. So he's got a lot of knowledge about these teams, about these coaching staffs. Um, and he's on the Bills radio team now. So he studied Brian Flores from a, from a broadcasting standpoint, certainly helped play against or helped the Bills play against him when he was in New England as well. So Eric Wood will join us in just a matter of moments. Before we get to him, I want to start with this, though. Cam Newton said yesterday on WEI in Boston that being in Foxborough so far and playing for Bill Belichick has been, quote, a match made in heaven. And I have loved everything that I have heard from Cam this offseason. Everything. when he w- Before we were in camp mode and it was just kind of Cam on his own, he was putting out the hype Instagram videos. I loved it. Some people were turned off by it. I wasn't. I like the, I don't want to call it brashness, but I like the confidence. I like the me against the world. I like the I'm out to prove people wrong nature that Cam Newton showed. And you know what? The offseason is a selfish time. I was okay with Cam thinking about Cam until he got to the team portion of the offseason. And now that we've been there for the last three weeks, last month, Cam has been all about the team. He's talked about integrating himself with his new teammates, getting to know his new teammates, both on the field and off. And that resonated with his teammates. And they voted him team captain. So everything that Cam has done, he has done well this offseason. Everything that he has said, he has said correctly. Cam Newton, I've loved everything that I've heard. He added in by saying that he also, I appreciated his honesty. He told WEEI. He had questions about how he'd fit. The quote is this, I had the same questions that a lot of people, talk shows, gossip, barbershops, chitter-chatter, text messages wanted to know. I wanted to know also, is it real what they say about Belichick? He says, it's been a match made in heaven for me, just knowing I'm in a place where everything is pulling in the same direction and everything is geared towards winning. Cam Newton had a perception in his early part of his career, maybe even up until the Super Bowl year in Carolina, that he was selfish. And I certainly think that he has outgrown that in the last couple of years, but I've always thought this. I think that young NFL players, young athletes are generally selfish and think about it. You come into the league. It is about you. I want playing time. What does playing time get me? Well, playing time gets me paid. Playing time gets me notoriety. Playing time gets me on the cover of video games. Playing time gets me job security and location security. So, Now, Cam's in his 30s. He's been paid. He's got his money. He's got his endorsements. He's got his individual hardware. He's won an MVP. All the things that lead you to the big payday, he's already got. What does he not have now? A Super Bowl championship. What does he want now? A Super Bowl championship. So, yeah, early Cam might have been selfish, but nearly all NFL players, nearly all athletes, are selfish in the early portion of their career because they have to be. It's a dog eat dog world. You need to be on the field to survive in the league. Get on the field, get playing time. Playing time gets you job security, gets you the next deal, gets you the big money, gets you the endorsements. Helps if I've learned nothing from my time of talking to athletes, a lot of them are thinking about money more than fans want to believe. And I don't begrudge them for that. They say, look, I have a short and finite amount of time to provide for my family or provide for myself. I've got to get every dollar that I can. And you can't get those dollars if you're not on the field. And you can't get those dollars if you're not putting up individual numbers. And Cam Newton's already done that. He has reached that portion that that portion of the mountain has been climbed. Money, fame, notoriety, commercials, all of it. So, if Cam was selfish in his 20s, in my opinion, he's just like the rest of athletes in every sport that's looking to get theirs. And why do we hear so many players at the end of their career say, Well, I want to win a championship at the end of my career? They're ring chasers. Because that's the only thing now that they don't have. That's the only thing that Cam Newton doesn't have. So, when he goes to New England and he says that it's a match made in heaven and that it's that everything is pulling in the same direction, he's right that now he's so geared on winning. He's so focused on winning that Bill Belichick is so geared and focused on winning that this is now what he needs most. This is now what Cam Newton needs most is a situation where everything is about winning, where everything is about moving forward and everything is about the team because Cam, the individual, is taken care of. And frankly, I wouldn't begrudge Cam if he was a little bit selfish now. He needs his next deal. He needs job security for the second part of his career. And maybe he wants to get that in New England so Cam playing well in Foxborough can get him all of those things again in New England. But I think Cam being about the team now, I think Cam wants a ring because that's the one thing that Cam doesn't have. So I I I am so pumped for week one. So pumped for week one. Pump I, I think the Dolphins are a really interesting team. I think they're a really interesting opponent. Obviously, you have a ton of crossover between these organizations, especially New England going to Miami, where Brian Flores is the head coach, and where Cal Van Noy is there, and where Ted Karras is there on the offensive line, and where Elandon Roberts is there. So you have all of these pieces in New England that are that have left New England and have gone to Miami. They're not going to be a whole lot of surprises because the coaching staffs are so intertwined. The players are so intertwined. I absolutely cannot wait for Patriots Dolphins. I want to welcome in our guest. It's Eric Wood of the Bills Radio Network, former Bills Pro Bowl center, spent nearly a decade in the league. First round draft pick back in 09. Eric, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you
0: doing? Good. I appreciate you joining us. Can you believe after an offseason of speculation, we're finally going to have football coming up in just a few days?
1: Yeah, and it doesn't feel real because with the lack of preseason coverage, the, the limited media availability at training camp practices, it, it doesn't quite feel real. Uh, but as game prep uh, starts this week, it, it, the work's starting now.
0: You just retired a couple of years ago. Can you imagine playing in this offseason, in this season coming up? What would, have, what would have gone into the decisions for you to even decide
1: whether you were going to play? You know, I, I actually had this conversation with my wife. You know, maybe about a month ago, whether I would have opted in or opted out, and I, I would have opted in. I would have played this year, and and I, I think the the measures that they went through um, with the NFL, PA and the and the owners coming together, coming to an agreement on a protocol that would be safe for all, uh, would have would have dramatically uh, influenced my decision and gave me the confidence to go back back and play. And also, um, yes, they're not in an NBA like bubble, but if you trust your teammates then you're probably safer in an NFL facility right now with the amount of testing and knowing who has it and doesn't have the coronavirus as opposed to just living life and going to the grocery and playing golf and doing the stuff I do <laughs> and not having any idea who has it and who you come in contact with.
0: You know, I, I buried the lead. I always ask athletes who go into radio or go into media, this question, all the media gets this grief. Why did you want to
1: join the bad guys? That's funny. Um, <laughs> You know, well, first off, my career ended kind of abruptly with the yeah. surprise injury. And so I, I wasn't quite ready to be um, not affiliated with football anymore. I, I still had a hunger to be around the game. Um, so um, I also had a few national media members and, and local and Buffalo media members reach out to me in my career. and then say, hey, you were always great with us we think this would be something you'd be good at. If you have interest, let me know. And and I followed up with those guys and they pointed me in the right directions. And um, I'm, I'm really enjoying being on this side of it. You know, it's funny. I go out to eat with guys uh, now, you know, I'll go out to eat with my old teammates after a game in Buffalo, after calling the game. And I'll say, I'll have to say like, look, anything you tell me, I'm I'm never going to ruin our trust, ruin a friendship or anything over trying to break a story or yeah. something so let's let's get that straight now guys we don't have to this isn't Eric media member sitting here we're all buddies
0: yeah how hard is that dynamic I mean I think about it like I, I started coaching college baseball right after I played and it was cool to be 22 and coaching 21 year olds because they feel like they're pal but on the other hand you understand there's a line of demarcation there so how difficult is that dynamic to try to navigate because I'm sure you've got stories and intel that you'll that will never make the media
1: light a day Yeah, well, you know, I I approach my now media career um, not as an insider per se, not as someone that's going to be out breaking stories, and and so from that perspective, I always feel like I can keep the confidence uh, of the relationships I have. I have a podcast called "What's Next" with Eric Wood, and I'll bring on former teammates, and these are guys. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was just on; he's the Dolphins' quarterback. We talk about a lot of things other than ball when we, when we have conversations. But if he ever told me something, he knows that I'm not going to run to the Bills coaching staff and tell them something he said. And, and, and I, I enjoy being on the media side of things. I really enjoy calling games because I feel like, from my perspective, playing the game as well as um, – I feel like I can be relatable – to the listener. So I'd use my knowledge to kind of inform them. I always say like, if you were sitting around listening to me call a game, I want you to pick up a couple nuggets that you can then go use with your buddies and make them feel like you know a whole lot about football. So um, so for me, I'm not out trying to break stories per se.
0: You know, I'm not too proud to admit it. I love football, and I love all sports. And I think we all kind of, by nature, understand every sport. But I think football is the hardest one conceptually for the average fan or average media member to grasp. I mean, look, I can tell you when the team is blitzing, but I couldn't tell you, oh, this was cover three, that was cover four, et cetera. I mean, how, how just generally difficult is football
1: conceptually to understand? You know, on a football 101 basis, not that tough, you know, and and I think most people, unless you played it at a high level, kind of maintain the football 101 level, which is completely fine. And that's how I try and call a game because I'm not trying to speak over people's heads. And, and, yes, there's a lot of intricacies. I mean, we could get into the nitty-gritty of yeah. c- communication at the line of scrimmage and what defenses will show on film one week and then show you almost the exact same thing but just a little bit different the next week and how that messes with everything from a communication standpoint, the game planning, execution standpoint. But all that's not necessary, all that knowledge is not necessary to enjoy watching the game of football. You know, in its sense, it's, it's an ultimate sport of teamwork, toughness, execution. You know, it, it's a ton of fun to watch. That's why it's the most popular sport definitely in America, maybe in the world. And um, you don't necessarily need to understand football 401 um, yeah. to, to, to fully um, enjoy the game.
0: You know, my former radio co-host and I argued about this a lot, and we never got a good answer on it. So as someone who played center, I think you're probably the guy that can give the answer. And we've been talking about it in the context of Tom Brady, so maybe it's different given his experience level. But what percentage of plays are audible at the lineup scrimmage?
1: It, it all depends on the offense. So I'll okay. start off by saying that. Um, most plays will have um, an audible built in if it's going to be an automatic failure. So in that sense, you know, I would say most plays, most times teams go to the line of scrimmage in the NFL. If there was everybody blitzing off the weak side and you had a, Single back run, so you don't even have a fullback to clean it up to the weak side. You're going to have to get out of that, or else it's simply a dead play. Yep. Gone, gone are pretty much the offenses that just allow that to happen to them. If you were going to do that, you'd really will be wanting to go up tempo, and, and more or less, you're trying to catch them off guard if you don't have the audibles built in. So I would say most plays have them built in, but you know, in the offenses I played in. Um, it would range from maybe ten to forty percent of them are are wow. true audibles. Hmm. You mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick,
0: your former teammate in Buffalo. The Patriots are going to see him coming up week one as a starting quarterback for Miami. We all know about Fitz Magic, and yeah, he went to Harvard. But what does he bring to an offense?
1: He brings a lot. You know, he he's obviously smart, and everyone talks about that. But he's such a competitor, and he lays. He, he's such a competitor, and he's so selfless. As a leader and as a teammate, that the guys around him play extremely hard. You've seen him throughout his career elevate an offense to probably um, a, a better statistical ranking than they they sure looked like on paper. Uh, you know, I think back to our 2011 Bills when he had. Donald Jones and David Nelson and Stevie Johnson, all of them looking like they were, you know, the Colts from a few years prior yeah. with Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. He <laughs> has playing incredible. Um, so he's able to elevate the play of his teammates by earning their respect. But he's also, um, you know, you play what, 16, 17 years in the league like he has. Uh, sorry, maybe 14, 15 yeah. like he has. You know, you obviously bring a lot to the table from a physicality standpoint as well. But when you look at what he's been able to do, you know, let's look at week 17 last year. against yeah. the, Patriots. the Patriots are playing for home field advantage and he's able to go in there and beat him. He's won a lot of big games in his career. And I'm sure this is a this is a, an opponent that the Patriots do not want to see in week one, considering the turnover that they have within the organization. How much
0: does an offensive lineman respect a quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I just think is fearless? I mean, he was the Dolphins' leading rusher last year. He'll take a big hit, he'll get up, point first down, he'll go do it again, and then he'll sling it all over the yard. Even if he throws a pick, he'll sling it all over the yard. How much do you, the lineman, want to go to battle for a guy like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you'll you'll do anything for a guy like Fitz, and, you know, it's it's not a coincidence I haven't played with him in probably seven or eight years, and we remain yeah. great friends, um, you know, and and... Um, we'll we'll remain friends forever. I just have the utmost respect for the way he plays the game. Uh, he's also a great person. Um, as, as a as a football player, as a competitor, you think that you're always going to try your absolute hardest on every single play. But when you got a guy like Fitzpatrick behind you or a guy like him pushing you, but he's willing, like you said, he's willing to throw his body around too, and he doesn't take a whole lot of sack, um, which is O-line friendly. He gets rid of the ball pretty quick. You really like playing with a guy like that. You've
0: been in this situation before, I believe, probably your last year in Buffalo, where you draft a young quarterback, and everybody knows he's the future of the organization, but do you, the veteran player, so like I'm thinking about it from the Dolphins to a perspective here, do you, the veteran player, want to play the young guy, knowing there might be bumps and bruises, but the ceiling is higher, or do you want to play with the veteran because it helps
1: you the most immediately? Yeah, I actually uh, my career ended just prior to them drafting Josh Allen. But I would have loved to play with Josh Allen, a young guy to kind of pour into, leave a mark on the organization, mark on the game. You know, that's what I was really hoping would happen. uh, Hoping would happen at the end of my career is I could pour into a young quarterback. Um, But obviously, it didn't work out that way, and that's fine. Looking at it from maybe the Dolphins' perspective, yes, two has got a little bit higher ceiling. But as a veteran, if you don't win football games you pretty much know that there's going to be a lot of turnover and you could be part of it. There's probably going to be coaches let go. There's going to be a lot of turnover within the organization. So you want to win at all costs. And I think looking at it from the Dolphins' perspective, especially with Chan Gailey being down there, um, a guy who Fitz played for under two different organizations in Buffalo and the Jets, he's going to be very comfortable in that offense. I think Fitz gives you your best chance of winning, which is what the veterans want.
0: You know, I was talking about this before you came on, and I've, I've asked athletes this for months now, and I've, I'm going to continue to ask them, what motivates a player? Is it money? Is it playing time? Is it championships? Does it change as your career goes on? Because we, the fan, want to think all players just want to win championships. But I've started to think athletes want playing time, job security, and money, and the championships are important, but maybe not as important as I wanted to believe initially.
1: Yeah. You know, I think everybody's motivated by different things and you, you hit the nail on the head as you get older, as the financial um, security long term is already set. Then then maybe winning a championship is number one, but uh, not to get too far down a rabbit hole. But I think knowing your why as an athlete is extremely important, no matter what yeah. it is. And, you know, for me personally, it was, you know, um, You know, I'm a Christian. I want to glorify God by the way I play. Um, I want to represent my family out there. You know, my parents, you know, poured values into me. I want I want to represent my family out there. You know, who do I want to be known as like your film does? You're talking for you. And then I want to be respected by my teammates. Um, And and yes, financial security that comes from playing professional sports is great. And that can be a motivating factor as well, considering, you know, there's a a lot of people, myself included, that would have been very tough to create generational wealth for your family without a game like football.
0: As someone who prepared many times to go up against a Bill Belichick-led defense, what is that like? What do you see on film? I mean, how daunting is the task of going up
1: against a Belichick defense? Yeah, the toughest thing about Bill Belichick's defense is it's always going to have little nuance changes every single week. So, you know it might be just the most subtle thing like a defensive tackle that all of a sudden's playing head up on your guard but all year he's been playing outside the guard well it's just okay. things just little nuances and he's really good at playing those games he's something he always does is if the patriots are up two scores or more in the second half they'll they'll throw out blitzes on film that now you have to prepare for the whole rest of the year wow. and, and and they will bust them back out at times you know they're they're Testing them out there, they might not even be sound at times. But now the rest of the year, you Mm got to say, well, they could pull that blitz out, and we have to prepare for it because you lose your quarterback if you leave guys go scot free in the NFL. So, so from that standpoint, he's great. And then what I've always respected about the Patriots defense is they get guys um, to do certain roles, and then they call the defense to just allow them to do that. For instance, Vince Wilfork did it for a number of years. Now it's um, guy the defensive tackle it, it's a number of people they are two gap run stuffers when you then get to second and long now you got a whole new defensive line in and these yeah. guys are one gap penetrators and they draft accordingly to these to find these guys they pick up free agents to be these types of guys and and they just let players play to their strengths and put them in the roles to make them successful and i've always it's it's so simple But if you don't have the stability that they had for so long with the coaching staff being the same every year, you're always drafting the different schemes. You don't have the depth to do that. You don't have the cap space to do it because you're always getting rid of guys. I've had this conversation with Tom Brady actually a Hmm. couple times where, you know, the stability in New England allowed them to do those types of things. The Patriots defense
0: is led by your former teammate in Buffalo, Stephon Gilmore. He was really good in Buffalo but did you see best DB in the game and maybe Tredavious white, your new guy there is maybe a little bit better, but Gilmore was, you know, you know, defensive player of the year for a reason. Did you see this from him when he was in Buffalo?
1: Yeah. You know, ever since he got there, he's an absolute specimen for a cornerback. He's taller, he's longer, he's super fast, he's strong, he's competitive, he's, he's smart. He's got literally everything you want in a football player, especially a cornerback with his physical attributes. And yeah, he was always excellent there, you know, and it, it, when you're not playing on very successful teams, sometimes you don't get noticed as much. That was probably some of the effect with Stephon Gilmore. We yeah. weren't winning playoff games. We weren't making Super Bowl runs, and so you didn't see as much out of it. Um, and I also think in New England what they've done with him is say, man, you're excellent at man coverage, and we're going to let you play a whole lot of it, Steph. And you know what? You're so smart. We're going to give you one guy a lot of times to lock in on, take him out of the game, study him, and and he's been doing it tremendously there. How do you feel about the Patriots? As a guy who lost a lot of games to the Pats in your career, how
0: do you how do you feel about the Pats?
1: I should hate them more than I do. <laughs> I, I actually have a lot of respect for them um, and the way they go about their business as an organization. Um, you know, just the no nonsense approach to this, the the stoic nature of Belichick, just get the job done. Um, I. It like I said, I, I should hate them more than than I do. I also have just the utmost respect for Tom Brady and what he was able to accomplish over his career in New England, um, and just the way he likely sacrificed more time and energy um, to setting himself up for success than anyone else in the game over that period. So you you, you ultimately respect the guy. Now, I wish this move on would have happened. Brady moving on. I wish it would have happened earlier for a number of reasons, obviously, because then maybe I could have won an AFC East title, but at 43 years old, it's, it's not going to quite be, we're not going to find out this year if it was Belichick or Brady, you know, you have have so many opt-outs for the Patriots, you know, Cam Newton comes in to be the quarterback, but you know, you don't have OTAs, you don't have preseason games. There's a lot of excuses on that side. And then Tom Brady's so much older now, and he's surrounded by so much talent down there. You can make excuses both ways. Um, but I but I do think it's it's going to be worth noting this year who's more successful, the Patriots, uh, without Tom Brady or Tom Brady and his new team with the Bucs.
0: You know, I don't think Cam's gonna run like a lot of people think Cam is gonna run, but you as an offensive lineman, is it harder to block for a guy who's a statue back there, or is it harder to block for a guy who might just take off at
1: any given moment and you're not quite sure? You gotta worry about where your hands are at on a defensive line when you got a guy that could escape the pocket. Because for instance, when I Kyle Orton, if I got a guy and I got him by the sides of his shoulder pads, but it's not, you know, I'm not torquing him. I'm not gonna ever get a holding call because Kyle Orton's not ever gonna run past me. Right. Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick, those guys, when they escape the pocket and the defensive lineman lunges out and I got a hold of his jersey, now I could get a holding call. So in that sense, you got to be a little bit careful, but a lot of times you're blocking to the play, that's called. And if that quarterback takes off, that's on him. He better have seen a gap.
0: I'll get you out of here on a couple more quick questions. Um, I'm sure you get asked this question all the time, so I'll throw it out at you anyways. Bill's Mafia questions or Chicken Wing questions? Which one do you
1: get more often in Buffalo? Or more often asked about? Yeah, I was gonna say nowadays it's the Bills mafia. You yeah. know, Arsenal Sports put them yes. out, out there and really hammered at home. And the Bills fan base has always been tremendous. They're catching a lot of national spotlight now. The Bills are playing better football and um kind of the table breaking and all that. It's funny. Oh, they've banned table breaking from Bills sanctions lots. So um have you been to the Bills Stadium? No, I have not. Okay, so around the stadium, it's it's all parking lots. Um, so there's an unbelievable tailgate scene, but all the kind of riffraff that you're seeing—that's that's far from the stadium. You know what I mean? Um, so it probably doesn't represent the fan base as a whole um, perfectly. But you know what? Um, we'll take we'll take some publicity up there in West New York.
0: <laughs> well, um, I want to ask you two games that you were a part of. I'm sure you get asked about a lot. The snow game against Indianapolis, what was that like? Because I remember watching that and just being like, how are they playing? How are they seeing nevertheless playing? What was that like for you? Yeah, it,
1: it was absolutely insane, and, and we were we ended up making the playoffs that year and taking yeah. a 17-year playoff drop, but we had to win that game against Indianapolis. And it, it, at times, your footing was so bad, everyone's just falling. It, it felt like it, it was hard to almost take every play serious um, and just lock in every play. Because, you know, you're just slipping and falling on your face half the time. But the the craziest part about that was we did not expect that we did not see that amount of snow coming. And that's why we were fairly unprepared for it as far as clearing it out and goes. uh, But but that's a, a super memorable game. And I'm sure glad we won it.
0: The, the other one that you weren't a part of, but I'm sure you were watching in the locker room, was the game that got you to the playoffs also, the Andy Dalton touchdown against Baltimore, I think it was, and then all the Bills fans raised a bunch of money for Dalton's charity, which was a great story, but what was it like as you break the break the playoff drought in in part because of what Andy Dalton did, and you're watching from
1: afar? Yeah, and that was my hometown team in the Bengals, which was yeah, right. Marvin Lewis, uh buddy of mine, so super, I mean super fortunate it worked out the way it did our game you know we, they there was three games at four o'clock all with playoff implications our game ended first we'd beat the Dolphins so we got to watch the end of that game uh and watch the Bengals send us the playoffs I mean and and honestly that's about the most fun I've ever had in my entire life celebrating with those guys <laughs> nine years with an organization and 17 years into a playoff drought and, and to break it in that fashion was just extremely special
0: well, I get you out of here on this in baseball. I'm a long-suffering Seattle Mariners fan. Twenty years, no playoffs, longest drought in, in the Amer- in, you know, in the big four professional sports. As
1: someone who was with the Bills and got them to the playoffs, tell me that it's going to get better and it's worth the wait. Oh, it's definitely worth the wait. Um, since Ken Griffey Jr. came back home to Cincinnati, I uh, I've, I've, I I no longer rock my Mariners hats like I did as a kid. Originally <laughs> from Cincinnati, and Ken Griffey yeah. Jr. Uh, when he was playing for the Mariners, I think you'd go to Reds games and you'd see half Mariners hats and the half (laughs) Reds hat. But um, yeah, it, it does get better and it's sure worth the wait. Eric Wood, I appreciate
0: it. Thank you so much for the time and enjoy week one as a part of the Bills Radio Network.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on,
0: Brady. All right, there he goes. That's Eric Wood. First round draft pick back in 09, uh, Pro Bowl center. One of the good guys in the NFL, one of the good guys in media as well. So a lot of fun and a lot of good insight there on Stefan Gilmore, Bill Belichick, Ryan Fitzpatrick. The fearlessness of Fitz is something that scares me. I mean, I, I really think that week one across the league is going to be ugly. No OTAs, no preseason going against yourself forever. I think week one is going to be clunky. I don't think any team should be fully judged based on what they put out on tape in week one. So there's lots of things that scare me about just quality of play in general. But if there's something that scares me about the Dolphins going into week one against the Patriots, it's the fearlessness of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is not afraid to break out of the pocket and take on a defender head on. He's not afraid to throw into tight windows. He's When he gets confidence and when he gets on a roll, he gets on a roll. I mean, Devontae Parker dominated Stefan Gilmore last year in that final game of the regular season. It's absolutely absurd what the Dolphins did to New England with, as Eric said, home field advantage on the line for the Patriots. So, uh, Fitz is like, he'll throw it 52 times if he needs to. He'll throw it 20 times if he needs to. He is not afraid, and he will not be afraid of Bill Belichick. So, if you ask me what scares me the most, It's Ryan Fitzpatrick's fearlessness. Um, Last thing I'm going to get you out on is this. Cam Newton, again, yesterday to WEI, said he does not see replacing Tom Brady as something that's going to cause him to feel pressure. He says, no, sir, I think the preparation that's put forth and where I have been in my career, the dark moments, the low moments, and obviously the high moments has prepared me for this. I agree with Cam Newton. I, I, I believe him. I don't think that Cam Newton feels pressure in replacing Tom Brady. One, Cam Newton is a supremely confident athlete. All quarterbacks need to be confident, but the the best ones have a, not an arrogance, but they, they have a belief system about them, and Cam Newton has that. Look at what Cam Newton's accomplished. He's won an MVP. He's been the face of a franchise. He's been the number one pick in the draft. He's had to justify a major money deal. He's dealt with multiple injuries. He's overcome multiple injuries. Cam Newton speaks from a place of experience. He says, look, I have been through everything difficult that you can go through. He's been called selfish. He's been called out. There's been racial undertones and overtones that he's had to deal with in his career, and he's overcome all of it. He's had to overcome the scandal at Auburn with his dad. He had to overcome stealing a laptop at at, at Florida and then ending up at junior college. He's had to rebuild his image multiple times. He's had to rebuild his stock. He's won a national championship. He's been a number one pick in the draft. He has been the face of a franchise and he's carried a franchise on his back. I think Cam Newton has dealt with all the pressure that I, mean, I think he's dealt with all the pressure that he could have possibly been given in his career. So yeah, for Jared Stidham, replacing Tom Brady would be a tall order. For any drafted quarterback that was there to quote replace Tom Brady, that would be a tall order. That would be something that brings pressure. Cam Newton. I don't believe he feels any pressure. He's he's already overcome so much in his career. He's already had pressure. He's already beaten it. We'll see if he can beat the Miami Dolphins. Again, thanks for listening. Believe in Patriots podcast. This is episode number 10. We do these two times per week here in the season. We'll have some big news coming soon. I can't wait to tell you more about that. Coming up on Thursday's podcast, Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. He is going to stop by. I can't wait to get his take on week one Week one around the league and on Patriots Dolphins. Keep listening to everybody again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and right here on YouTube. We'll See you Thursday.
1: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.